What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay. As always, I'm your host, who does the most, Jasmine Ellis. And I am really, I know I say I'm excited every week, but like, why wouldn't I be excited? If I wasn't excited, I wouldn't do this. I don't need y'all. Actually, I do need y'all. Please don't leave. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I really am excited. This person is just one of my favorite people to watch online and connect with. I just love what you do. I think you're so talented, so gorgeous. I'm a fan. Give it up for Malad, everybody. Hey! Hey! Hey, everybody. It's me. I'm here. It's Maylot. What's up? Oh, my God. <laughs> I did it again. Maylot. I'm sorry. I did it again. No, it's okay. I, I honestly didn't even notice, but it's all good. <laughs> I'm really excited to have you. Um, what's really funny is like when I first got the concept to do this podcast, you were one of the first people I thought about. In fact, so much so that you were one of the first people I did an episode with when I was recording all by my lonesome. And then uh, I messed up. Uh, I like lost all the audio <laughs> on my end. And I just, I literally have, just, I still have an audio of just you talking. Uh, and it sounds like you're having fun, but I'm not on there. And that's just... From a branding standpoint, it didn't really work. So I'm so glad that we were able to try this again. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with me. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, yeah, like stuff happens. I mean, technical difficulties, whatever. So I'm glad that we get another round of catch up time. So, you know, it's fun for us. I'm having a good time and I love supporting anything you do because just like you, I, I love watching you online. I'm like, look at her. She's going over here. She's going over there. She's delayed here. She's stuck there. Like, I just love watching <laughs> your, your whole journey and like, you know, kind of going through the roller coaster of, you know, the entertainment business and, and, and building your career. So I love it. I love the concept of this podcast as an R&B head myself. So I'm, I'm more than happy to be here. Yes, that's so funny. I, I do realize that I do document a lot of my problems with air travel. Like a lot of, I feel like 50% <laughs> of the humor I do online is just me beefing with Delta and budget and whatever other hell, like hellish. You, I'm sure you've got some hellish road stories. Like I know you are, you know, you do fantastic shows in Austin and, but you're all over the place too. And I know with like the COVID and everything, like in the last year, you mm -hmm. had to like, like pause for a little bit, but like, hunker down. What is, hunkered, exactly. <laughs> what has been like the craziest road story though? Have you ever had a situation where you were just like, this is it? What is happening? Honestly, the like, I'm very, I get very like paranoid when I travel, just not about like the flying or anything, but I hate stopping. I hate all the extra layovers and chances for, more delays and being stuck places I don't know um, anyone or anything. But like, so I always try to book everything one way, nonstop. Like, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, get lost anywhere. But the one time that it was like absolutely horrid, of course, was the one time where I went to Ethiopia. And no, actually it's happened every time I travel out of the country, for some reason, wherever I'm connecting to, because there's always some sort of connection place, how they like take your luggage and you got to like run somewhere, grab your luggage and then like drop it off somewhere else and then run to the next flight. Like, because you got to go through customs wherever you are. The worst one was like when... <sighs> I, I try. I realized it the other day. I was like, oh, I've been, I've been to a few countries. I'm pretty proud of myself. I thought I hadn't been anywhere. But no, like we, we were going to, my father and I were going to Ethiopia and 
we had to stop in Frankfurt, um, Germany <laughs> on our way. And something happened to where like their whole like customs thing like shut down and they were like really mean people with german accents which already are like super harsh and so they're like yelling at everybody telling us no telling us to go over there and we have this luggage that we need to drop off to get to freaking ethiopia um and it it was just it was a nightmare i i honestly think we missed our flight and had to run around the airport trying to figure out how to get on the next flight to ethiopia in germany and it was a lot of nine nine and like just i don't know it was <laughs> they were very harsh accents and we're just like we just we're just trying to go back home y'all so that was probably one of the worst but i mean not to sound like i'm a world traveler like i've traveled out of the country through okay well i've gone to mexico but anyway like when i went to paris and came back it was the same thing i think we stopped in chicago um from paris to come back to texas and it was just like a whole debacle like we were it was a marathon like not a marathon it was a freaking sprint i don't know what i, I don't i don't know sports oh, but we had to like so run chaotic. like i always get it was, so stressed it's chaotic out. all the time layovers like layovers it. make everything worse because it's like it never fails if you have a short layover your gate <laughs> will be 20 miles apart and you will have to run you know it never fails if i if i check my bag and I have a five-hour layover, I get out, I get released at gate A23, and my next flight is gate A24, and I ain't got nothing to do for an entire day. But, <laughs> like, I had a six-hour layover the other day, and it was at 6 a.m., because I've been doing these, like, in an effort to avoid the COVID, I've, like, kind of scoped out when, like, I'm sorry, I've just kind of scoped out when people who don't give a fuck are flying, and, like, when they are not. And I figured out that, like, the red the red eyes are for people who just have to be where they have to be everybody minds their business keeps their mask on and leaves each other alone it's great it's during like the chaos of it like when i had to fly easter weekend that was like oh no there's so many children and they're touching everything <laughs> you can imagine the children <laughs> you can imagine i'm very happy to be done with round two of the vaccine um so but i didn't know at an international flight you have to go fight you have to go find your luggage and then take it to the next plane yourself. That's wow. Has, I don't know. Like I doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I bought a ticket that says I'm going from here to here. Why do I have to like in the middle like grab I don't I don't understand it. I don't like do you, it. It makes everything 10 times more stressful. It doesn't even make Wait. And do you have to bring it yourself? Because the whole, what's the point of making sure I don't have more than three ounces of toothpaste if I could go buy more toothpaste? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, like, Chicago was really funny because they, like, because the flight from Paris was running late already, they gave us these, like, special bright orange tags that we had to put on our luggage. And so, like, we had to go grab our luggage. We were running late. We are about to miss our next flight. And you have to, like, run. And then there's, like, some people, I don't know, flight attendants or they work at the airport or whatever. And we literally just, like, they're, like, throw your bags over. Throw them over. So we just, like, push them because thank God for these new roller things. We just, like, throw them at the people and run towards the gate. And they have, like, someone who's, like, guiding us and, like, running with us to get to the... It was just, like, 
I don't know if I'm in like a decathlon or <laughs> just trying to go home. I don't I don't know. It was it was intense it for like, sure. It feels like air travel is the one form of luxury good, like it's something that's not a necessity that has consistently gotten worse and still gotten more expensive. Like every aspect of like I was watching some old movie and I realized that the people were in like it was everybody people were in coach and there were still three seats in the row. And I was like, mm -hmm. that's supposed to be the ghetto part of the plane? Because now they put us in there six deep. <laughs> like, now we were literally in each other's lap. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm kind of facing each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, if you are traveling together, you have to sit on each other's laps. These are the rules. Is <laughs> United Skyline. Is Buckling everyone together. <laughs> Spirit of America Airlines. You know what I mean? Spirit of America. Together. Unity. That's what it is. <laughs> They'll oh use God, some words that, that sound really calming and then just like shake you the whole ride. Oh my gosh. No, so that sounds no. crazy stressful. Um, as an artist, I love I love talking to all different people. So far, this podcast has had a lot of musicians, and not musicians, a lot of comedians. Um, and one of our favorite things that we love to ask, like if you could decide to be a musician tomorrow. Like all of your talents and God-given abilities as a comedian would disappear, but you would suddenly have that ability to do that and be musical. Would you take it? And every single one says yes. <laughs> if for a day, what you know? <laughs> for a day, I won't yeah. lie. Sometimes it's just like, ooh. do you ever wish you did anything else, or could you never imagine yourself doing anything else? Um, I feel like this is something that I was just like born to do. I don't think it's everything I can do and everything that mm -hmm. like comedy, I'm like that way with comedy. I'm like, Lord, I could never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. I think it's so incredible to watch a comic go up there and kill it um, for like, you know, a stand up set. And I just, I'm always mind blown. Cause I'm like, I've, I don't know what to say. I just, I like singing my songs that I rehearsed. I know the lyrics already. I already went through and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know y'all do some like, some version of rehearsal, but y'all are so just like quick with it. And I'm just like, I need, I need a little bit more predictability and structure. But um, that's how I feel about comedy, actually. I, I absolutely love it. I think it's, it's an incredible art form and an incredible skill and talent. Um, would I do? I don't know. The, the thought of even doing comedy just gives me anxiety. So I don't know if I would actually be willing to spend an entire day <laughs> doing it. But I guess if I were like comfortable with being a comic for a day, then I could do it. But uh, I think it's incredible for sure. <laughs> and that's not, I'm not just saying that because it's you. Like that's like genuinely how I feel. I've always felt that way. I always, I always respect artists that like really understand how other art forms are just a whole, they just, they just use a different muscle. You know what I mean? Just a different part of who you are. I think um, it's, it's interesting because it's like um, with comedy, you stand in front of a crowd and you say, here's all the ways we're alike. And I, 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 I don't know, I'm, I'm phrasing this very weirdly, but it's just like you stand in front of a crowd and you you do something that everyone in the room like on a like a a basic sense knows they could do we can all talk 
we can all stand and talk into a microphone. And you do it in a way that's supposed to feel like you're making it up on the spot when you're not. <laughs> you're absolutely faking that part. And you're saying something super duper relatable that all of them can think of, and then you twist it and turn it in a way that they wouldn't have. And I think when that's done really well, it's beautiful to see. Uh, you know what I mean? And with music, it's something, especially like people like you who have like these amazing ranges and voices that like, you know what I mean? I could I, I could practice all day, but I'm not going to be able to hit these notes. You know, that's just something you have or you don't have, right? In my head, I think that's true. Maybe you can teach it. I to don't a know. certain degree. Yeah, you, you practice it enough that you can finally get there. So. <laughs> and it's you you do this wonderful thing and then everyone feels so connected to it and you'll get a whole room like okay if i told a joke and the whole room guessed the punchline i need to walk off that stage forever all right <laughs> you're done you're done but for you it's like it's the, the connection isn't like oh i can feel this i've been this i understand this and it's kind of funny because it's the same it, it's it's like it's it's amazing. I just admire I admire art so much, and I'm so glad the world is opening up and we get to do it in person again. Because I love yes. I love this stuff. I love the virtual side of it. I'm sure you you did a few virtual concerts during the the downtime, I, or no? I did. I did. I'm feel? just not really a big fan of the virtual. It just, I mean, I mean, you tell you tell jokes and like you don't get a response, and you're just like, <laughs> you know. It's like I sing a song and I'm like, I did great, you know. I I don't know. It's just it's it's a little bit awkward to perform to the screen. So it's like it's cool. I actually get to sing and then I get to see responses or whatever. But um, it's just not the same, of course. I had a humbling experience last week that I'm gonna tell you about real quick. I was in Wheeling, West Virginia. If for whatever reason, one of these miserable children decides to listen to this podcast. Um, I, <laughs> and I had been saying like, man, I just, I miss being in front of these crowds. I'm so excited to get back in front of these kids. I know it's, you know, you're gonna keep everything as safe as possible, but the energy you feel when you're in front of real people, is just so different. And these kids proved me wrong. They were invested in not liking me. Like it was, it was like 20, they were all athletes. Like every single one of them played a sport and they were all freshmen. And here's the thing is I just feel like a freshman athlete in college, that means that you were the most, you were the most popular person in bumfuck nowhere. Like you think you're really important. You're not about to listen to me. And they would like half laugh and then look at each other and be like, stop that. And then like, stop. And it was so, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, don't look at her, look at me. Don't look at her. You can you can look, look at me, enjoy yourself. Watch just this, like, they just, it was to the point where it was just like, they just wouldn't give it to me. Like something would half get them. And at one point I think I said, I hope y'all know I'm not having fun either. So like, it's mutual. <laughs> you said that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I hope like, I'm just and you know what? I didn't have to repeat that on my podcast. So hopefully my manager or nobody who's in charge of me listens. I promise I love what I do. It was just one of those nights where like they didn't want to have fun. And I was like, you know what? We, you know what? <laughs> you know, I think I think that happens, though. I think that's part of being an artist. I mean, the whole thing, everything is freaking subjective, right? So it's mm -hmm. like some people are going to be great. I've I've had some where I'm like, why am I here? Are you, do you hear me? I'm like over here belting all these beautiful notes. <laughs> They're over there yelling at the bar and I'm like, I don't, I don't need to be here. So no one, I was like, I can't do these anymore. It's like, 
either you're here to pay attention and respect what's going on or not. Mm -hmm. But oh my God, there is nothing worse than feeling like, why am I here? <laughs> Mid set. Is this one of those things where sometimes it's like um like an event or like a uh, like an organization will bring you in and so people in the organization have no idea what's going on they're just like this is a thing my company told me to something like that kind of situation or is it like something yeah far so showing? like there there are a couple of situations where like obviously I do things with companies and so they'll need like you know a, a performance for some function or whatever but ended up doing like a grand opening at a hotel. And I thought it was a grand opening at a hotel, but it was just for like corporate people. And I don't think the corporate people knew that this was like a live performance. They just kind of, I don't know, I guess they thought it was like background music or something. So like the PAs weren't really great. It was just like a really kind of awkward situation. And I like, I don't, I'm not a diva, but the one thing that I, really don't tolerate is not having a, a stage i'm like if i don't have a stage to be on i can't i can't like project what i'm trying to like i need a stage there was no stage and so i was just sitting in front of these people there they were getting boozed up it was like a corporate event so people are with their homie co-workers just like okay days over let's <laughs> drink and celebrate at this hotel <laughs> And so, you know, they're all having a good old time and I'm just like, and it was just all around. I kind of felt like I didn't know what I was getting into, to be honest. Like, I feel like they described it one way and then it ended up being something else, which is all good. I got my little shmoney and I walked away, but yeah, no, we don't. You took me back, man. It's so funny how, like, as a performer, there's certain things you don't think you need to ask for until the shit is not there. Because you're like, wait, you thought I was going to talk into what? There's no, you thought I was going <laughs> to stand on the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like going to a restaurant and them looking at you crazy because you want a chair. You're just like, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, like I, I grab whatever you I performed without a stage and have been like, this is so weird. This is automatically weird. like because you and the audience can't be on the same level. It creates this weird mm -mm. dis like they don't there's no distance. They're just like, oh, you're just a person. I don't know why this little girl's singing. You know what I mean? Like a stage creates <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not to call you a little girl, but you know what I mean? No, I I'm like all of five four and then I put on my heels so I could be like five eight. I don't know, five, <laughs> five, six, five, seven, try to give myself a little bit of height, but like I need to be up here, you know, and, and same thing. I think whenever you have a microphone, you just have this like need to kind of like be a little bit above the crowd. So a, everybody can see you and you don't mm -hmm. kind of like mix in, but so that it adds like a little bit of importance to what you're doing. And I mean, to be on like a literal slash figurative pedestal while, while you're doing what it is that you're doing. I think it's, I don't know. I feel like it's respectful of the craft. Like, yeah, it's not necessarily like a, me thing i think in general well that's what that's one of those things that sometimes don't always get worked out in contracts speaking of contracts so today's off the record where we dig into a little bit of music history is all about the worst music industry contracts this is a series i'm starting now talking about them cool. because i've talked a lot about personal issues we had a fun episode where we kind of talked about like um uh when lisa left i lopez burned down her boyfriend's house you know just a classic musical story of love and loss Very if you classic. will there um
tra uh, tragic story. I think uh, tragic backstories on like the Supremes. This is one that I, I find so interesting. One of the, just the godfathers of, of rock soul, which later, you know, transitions into R&B. We're talking about Little Richard himself, um, who had one of the most... Would you say you love Richard, Little Richard? Oh, I lo I, lo I loved him as a kid. Like I was obsessed with Little Richard. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like all of us in the '90s did because he was uh, he played TJ's uncle, uh, as in Taj Mahri's Taj Mahri's uncle on Full House. Do you remember seeing him on Full House or no? No, on Full House. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't remember this. I would just I would try to catch him wherever I could catch him. I just. I wished I played the piano still and like wanted to be him so bad. That's I don't remember that. So random that I know that. I only know that because I like had like an, an un like an, not like an, I wouldn't say unhealthy actually. It was, it was a it was a normal childhood crush on Taj Bowery. I was like in love with that little boy. Oh, it was, it was normal. Like, it was very normal. Yeah, I was like normal. the same age as him. I was like, oh, he's Ditto. cute. I like his little head. Like he had the little <laughs> he had like a little backwards head. mullet. It was just a little bit too much hair. <laughs> yeah, and he's the and Tamara's little brother. I mean, come on, yes. I feel like I've always had this thing about wanting to marry into the right families. Like I love my husband to death, <laughs> but like I definitely had my eye on some specific Wayne's children. Like I was gonna work my way oh up my into God. that comedy dynasty. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. You I gotta marry that. smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> true, very true. Very true. I shall keep that in mind. Very true. Yes. So keeping uh, keeping up with the uh, Little Richard story. So let yes. me just tell you a little bit about how. Have you ever heard about his money financial problems that he got into? No. No. So this I'm one right very, here. Like, yeah. Curious. So Little Richard, who died uh, last uh, May 9th of last year um, at 87 years old, was one of the most influential musicians of all time. But a bad record deal and pervasive racism, racism in the 1950s American music industry kept the singer from cashing in on some of his biggest hits. So a little bit more about him. After Little Richard set in a rough cut of what would go on to be his first hit single, Tutti Frutti, which we all know, uh, specialty records owner Art Root purchased the rights to the song for reportedly $50. Little Richard's contract gave him only half a cent for every record sold. Uh, quoting, quoting Little Richard himself, he said, I was a dumb black kid and my mama had 12 kids and my daddy was dead, Little Richard reportedly said of the deal, and I wanted to help them, so I took whatever was offered. I hate stories like this. I hate hearing about people being exploited because, and this is what happens so much, particularly with black artists, is they're in a situation where like the idea of making money and getting yourself out of the situation, it, it's hard enough to get any type of job and make something of yourself. And then you get a chance to make money making music. It feels too good to be true. So you just say yes to stuff. I mean, we've all been, I, so I think crazy. anybody, any artist has been in a situation where someone's offered you something and you go, this sounds dumb as hell. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but like, like I remember, oh my God, I remember going to like literally my fourth open mic and someone offering to be my manager. And I was like, what are you going to manage? I don't make any money. And he was like, well, I can help you out with that. And I was like, oh, sure, sure. And I took his number down. And then I just like looked him up and he was, he was, he was a waiter at the comedy club that he was like claiming he could manage. I was like, what are we finna manage here? And to this day, he's still a waiter at that comedy club. Um, I hope you're doing all right, but I really do. <laughs> like, um, so people, smile. 
wow. people will come at you with just craziness. Um, Seriously. That's why Sam Cooke was a really interesting character. Like, I, I don't know the exact details, but I know that he started his own label and started writing songs himself and started trying to take care of black artists and make sure that they had their own, like, rights and things and, and know-how. And I thought that was really cool, but they're like of the same same time period where you know they were easily being exploited, just because you know, because yeah, people could. Yeah, which was groundbreaking at the time terrible. for Sam, for Sam Cooke to do yeah, that. Yeah, groundbreaking. Seriously, yeah, his his story is really interesting. I'm like super into old old musicians. I'm not really too good at getting into the histories of everything, but I do tend to watch my fair share of documentaries and whatnot. Oh, but uh, that I'm... actually kind of... Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, no, no. What were you going to say? I was going to say that segues into one of my songs, if you want to... Let me wrap there. this up real quick then. Real, oh, okay. real quick then cool, we'll cool, get cool. right sorry. into your songs. But you're right. You're right. I am like, we are dragging a little bit. <laughs> we're just catching up. We're having fun. Okay. So his oh, contract yeah. was typical for Black musicians at the time, while artists would enjoy a cut of between 3 and 5%. Little Richard also reported received no royalties when his hits were used in the movies or covered by white singers, a common practice in the music industry at the time. In 1984, Little Richard sued Specialty Records for one, $112 million, saying that he had not paid royalties to him after he left the label in 1959. All right, uh, and here's a great quote uh, from Little Richard. I had signed a very bad deal with Specialty. If I wanted a record, you signed on terms or you didn't record or you didn't record. I got half a cent for every record sold. Whoever heard of cutting a penny in half? I wish I could do a Little Richard. Whoever heard of who? <laughs> Whoever heard of hurting a penny in half? <laughs> it didn't matter how many records you sold if you were black. <laughs> Nobody hit a hard consonant like Little Richard. You know what I mean? Like, I know he would have said, oh, gosh. the publishing rights <laughs> were sold to the record label before the record even released. Tootie Fruity was sold especially for $50. <laughs> Little Richard is quoted as having said in his autorized biography, The Life and Times of Little Richard. So wrapping that up, eventually he did get his money, especially around the time that he was being put into like the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He, he had to fight for most of his life to get what was owed to him, which is really frustrating. And there were so many artists that were able to record his music and basically steal from him and sample from him for years because of those terrible contracts. But what were you gonna do when you, you know, we're just coming up from nothing. So definitely one of the worst contracts on history. Fifty dollars and half a penny. Who uh, makes me feel a little penny. better about these LA comedy shows that pay me like <laughs> nothing? You know what I mean? At least, at least I know it's nothing. You know what I mean? At least you know it's nothing and not half a penny, which is a whole joke. Like, well, yeah, it feels more terrible. insulting. It's very insulting. It's like, mm, you don't even deserve a cent. Like, I don't care if they were selling those records for what, 25 cents, 75 cents back in that, that time. But like, half a cent is not okay. Right? Wow. Wild. So that's going to wrap up our history lesson of the day. Uh, the lesson that we can all take from that is uh, read the fine print, ask a lot of questions. And uh, as I've learned now, as an artist and as just a, a, a person, know your worth, then add tax. You know, whatever it is, ask for what you're worth. So now let's get into my favorite, favorite part of all of this. This is where I hear the soundtrack of your life. Malat, May, May Lot, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I'm, I know, all right, because- There was the a girl who, who called me Maylox, Maylox, the laxative for <laughs> six months. 
with an X at the end of my name. That was not my name, and I did not realize that she was calling me Maylox. So I'm cool <laughs> with however you want to say it, as long as, like, that is the worst by far. So <laughs> that is pretty bad. My thing, I had a meeting the other day, and I was super excited because it was like an agency I wanted to do some stuff with. And they were like, um, Jasmine. And I was like, oh, it's Jasmine. And they're like, <laughs> I have it down as Jasmine. And I was like, it's Why? down incorrectly. <laughs> it's, and for me, it was the, mm, are you sure? <laughs> oh, I'm so sure. I'm certain. I, 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 I couldn't be more sure. <laughs> yes. It's the, and Jasmine isn't even a name. Like if you met a Jasmine. Yeah, I know. Not. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, are they in America? Like, where are they? what is that maybe it's a name somewhere else i don't know that is a hilarious and i, I get like i get jasmine. jasmine that like makes sense because it's spanish pronunciation yeah. I totally that yasmine I, I, has me maybe but like jasmine or I jasmine jasmine what is it what is it jasmine. jasmine i jasmine right so, <laughs> so no no five no, no, songs no that tell your story. And we did this a few months back, but one, I definitely don't remember. <laughs> and two, time, okay. you've had time to mix it up. So just lay them on me. What, uh, do you want to do one through five, five through one? Are they in a particular order for importance they're, or? They're actually not. I don't know. They're all kind of, I don't know. They're fluid, right? They, they just exist as they need to. Um, I but I love that. I think I think we're we're gonna. Should we go through them or like to just give you one now, one at a time, and let's kind of discuss okay. it as we go. Alrighty then. Well, we'll start with the oldest one. It is the oldest one, right? I have this beautiful little journal here that I picked up from Target. No sponsor. No, no, oh gosh. none of that. But it's just really pretty. It's gold and like embossed with like peacocks and flowers or something. I don't know. Anyway, so um, the first song I have here is Misty by Ella Fitzgerald. Oh. And it is the first time I heard it, I was, well, let's just say that like in high school, I was listening to a whole lot of old school jazz. So like Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, like you name it, that's that's what I was listening to. Even Michael Bublé, the great Michael Bublé. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I heard this song Misty and it was just so melancholy and sweet and like emotional. And I think Ella Fitzgerald just has one of the most beautiful voices ever. I think she just, naturally was able to like emote with just a single note and then obviously her like jazz skills and whatnot but the song itself was just one of the most beautiful things i had ever heard and to this day it just makes me melt every time i listen to it and i think it's super beautiful this is one of those ones that i didn't know i knew as soon as i looked it up and i was like oh no no and i could like i could hear it as i was reading the lyrics i've heard this before it is such a vulnerable song and that's such a, it's lyrically like, just to like, cause I think I can read a lyric or two before we get sued. Uh, <laughs> look at me, I'm as helpless as a kitten up a tree and I feel like I'm clinging to a cloud. I can't understand, I get misty just holding your hand. Oh, so cute. So it's adorable. What? It's, 
It's it's just so sweet. It's like <laughs> it's it's really nice to hear that kind of like I I feel like that resonates a lot of your writing and a lot of what you put out there is there's like um I have this I have this thing where a lot of new R and B I like it I don't hate it I just feel like there's a lot of this like um I I feel like a lot of the I'm a bad bitchness of hip hop has made its way into R and B. And it's a lot of ego, which isn't a bad thing, but I think great love songs check their ego at the door and they leave yeah. vulnerability open. And they're like, this is what your love does to me. This is the position you put me in. This is how I feel. As opposed to this is what I'm going to do when you don't text me back. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> yes, I love that because that's like one of my things about the way that I write and the types of songs that I make. And it took me a while to be like, okay with it. But I also had to get pushback before I was okay with it because someone like a label person was like, okay, well, we want to hear stuff that's a little more like, like you said, a little more like F you, I'm gonna steal your girl. I'm gonna steal your boyfriend. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna whatever. And it's like, well, I'm just not really that kind of person first off. And I'm, I'm, I personally would never respond like that, which probably means that there's other people that wouldn't respond like that. So I'm just going to go ahead and write what I know and what I understand to be true to me, because why would I be writing something that doesn't make sense with who I am? Um, but but yeah, and, and I listen to a lot of this type of music, like Misty, and then like, you know, there's a million songs by Nat King Cole that are gorgeous, but there's more by... Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra, just that entire era of that like jazzy um, type of music. And it's just very sweet and very honest and gentle. And I think a big part of a real love is vulnerability. Like if you don't have vulnerability, you can't really, you know, be fully immersed in that love, fully taken in by it. You know, it, it takes a lot of vulnerability <laughs> to be in love. And I think um, this song like really showcases that but i just think it's a, a beautiful song performed beautifully and just incredible ella fitzgerald's also someone who has like a fantastic controlled voice and that is something that you see kind of come in and out of styles as far as like uh, generations go like sometimes we get more of that like very belty style of singing that's like like mm -hmm. more a lot of runs you know like it, it's it's kind of funny too the length of music because like back then songs were like a little on the shorter side and then like you get around to like the 70s where <laughs> i always say this is 15 minutes <laughs> yes the coke the cocaine high era of music where songs are like, God, my personal favorite long, you have a favorite long ass song. Like what's your favorite long song? Oh girl, I'm Ethiopian. Ethiopian songs be like 10 minutes. That's how I knew the weekend was Ethiopian. His songs were 15 minutes long. Like what? <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> I did not know that, but that, I mean, I knew he was Ethiopian. And I know his songs were like long. And I yeah, that in his voice, I could tell like this, I knew he was Ethiopian. In like two seconds. It's like my favorite long ass song is Jamaica Funk. I don't know who makes it, but it's just one of those songs that just everybody knows it. It's I Jamaica Funk. Jamaica Funk. That's what it is. Um, no. <laughs> okay. Here's what I love about this song. It is, I want to say, eleven minutes long. I, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm probably a hundred percent right. I'm like ninety percent sure. Um, 
I want to, I want to, oh yeah, 11 minutes and six, six seconds long. Okay. And it starts out with, you can hear everyone coming into practice and they're like, what's up, Charles? You brought us a pizza, Charles, Charles is finna lay down. And they're just talking. <laughs> Come on, Peggy. Come on, Peggy. Go ahead and hit that note. Like, just, Wait, now talk. what was this engineer doing? Was this, I wonder if this was on purpose or if the engineer was like, no, nah, I gotta get all of this. Especially like, wait, is this an old song? Yes, 1970. So uh, 1970s. Who wasted their tape like that? I mean, it's classic now, I'm sure. Oh, but. the real name is Funkin' for Jamaica by Tom Brown. But there's like 13 Ooh. people on the shit, so it can't just be Tom Brown. Oh, Funkin' oh, for Jamaica? Funkin' for Jamaica. <laughs> it is a I'm single like that. I'm, I'm going to add this to the playlist of this episode because you've just, you've got to you got to hear it's so long it lasts forever and it's just <laughs> it's just so much hilarious you have to be on a little something to just be like singing it and i kind of i love how in the like back to ella fitzgerald i love how they kind of just they sung it straight but it was beautiful because there's power in those notes and there's nothing wrong with the bigger beltier style but it's, oh, yeah. it's interesting to to see both things coming in and out of fashion, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's something that I I personally, like a lot of my stuff comes from what I heard these people do, like these people being like the Ella's and the Nat King Coles and stuff, but they have just this insane amount of control and will you'll feel so much because it, there's so much that can be emoted through that control. And so that's part of my like, vocal strategy is that the word i don't know what it's called whatever but um but yeah no i i i definitely picked up a lot of the things that i do from studying people like them who are some artists you get compared to um a shot day a lot um I don't think you sound think, like her, but I think it's the same vibe. Like, I'd play y'all back to back. I think that's what it is, because I'm like, I don't think I sound quite like that. But um, that that must be what it is. Maybe it's the vibe more so than the sound. Um, I've been called, like, the, the love child of Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, which was, like, a huge compliment, because okay. they're, like, the bestest, pretty much. Um, and then Alicia Keys, I get her a lot. Um, those are probably the top like three compares, three four comparisons that I get. I think, yeah, I think those are all artists I could see you pairing well with. I always see like um, to me putting together a playlist is a little bit like making a charcuterie plate. Like you've got to make sure that things mm. complement each other. You don't want too many mm -hmm. flavors that like. I mean, you can have some really out there flavors that don't belong on the same plate, but you might hurt your tummy. So sometimes it's nice. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really running with this charcuterie example. <laughs> I love it. I love me a good charcuterie board, you know? I love it. I love it. A good charcuterie board. A good charcuterie. charcuterie. Oh my gosh. That is, okay. So I love your first song there and you're going, so let's keep going from oldest to newest. And that's kind of a fun um, chronological way to move through things. So we've got. Uh, Misty by Ella Fitzgerald. So that's like, it came out in what, 30s? Uh, let's see. Did it? I have no clue. I've actually never looked it up. 
see Rick Knight, Connor Enroll, and Burke Johnny. That's one of those names. They don't give anybody anymore. Burke Johnny. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, well, it's it says 1960. I feel like it's got to be older than that. It no. might be. I mean, her her career was pretty long, but I feel like she might have recorded it earlier. But it might be a 1960 song. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't oh. be too surprised. That's interesting. Yeah. She was born in 1934, so I don't know why I said the 1930s. I, I sound like such a, as a millennial, I'm shocked at myself. I sound like Gen Z because they think everything, if it didn't happen when they were born, it was 200 years ago. Mm. They're just like, <laughs> I have, I found these ancient low-rise jeans in a time capsule. Oh my God, <laughs> this, this crop top with butterflies on oh my god i put butterfly clips in my hair for this photo shoot and i was like oh my god i hate myself because i loved them so much they were so cute i was like i don't want to be a middle schooler again but everything's coming back and i don't i'm not i'm not handling it very well is it weird partake because that's what makes me feel weird is it's partaking in the trends that i already overcame like you know what I mean? It'd be one thing if I never we over did that's the word. We overcame these trends. <laughs> we we left the scrunchies in the past. We left the flares in the past. We left the freaking remember those skater shoes that were like super chunky ones that like I used, I had to get mine from Payless because my parents were not gonna buy me like the real ones that everyone else I had to, it's just like all these things, the I it's just it's a difficult time right now to be a millennial. I think we're just having some internal conflict. Right. The crisis friends. is real. <laughs> it's, like, it's a real crisis for real. Um, anyway, um, well, I guess that might, I don't know which one of these songs, I do know which one of these songs is next oldest. Okay. Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Shoot a doop. Oh, yes. What do, 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 do. Oh, gosh. Do not I... let this song play around me. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm having a conversation, if it's an important, like, meeting, whatever. If this song comes on, I stop what I'm doing and I sing. I don't, I don't care. I cannot help it. The spirit overtakes me and I must sing this incredible song. I love it. This is one of those songs... So this is one of those songs where the background vocals are are a main character as well. Like it's almost oh, yeah. like a duet because it's like both. Like I have a hard time picking which part to stick because I'm I'm one of three girls. So when my sisters are in the car, my sisters like pick a side. You're doing the low notes today. Like <laughs> she's like one of my best your friends. Did that to me. Yes, yes, girl. Yes. That was my childhood, but this, I mean, like I fought with my, um, God sister about one of the words. What did I think it was? Oh, I did this last time too. I never remember what I thought. Is it inevitably? I think it's inevitably. Oh, and we'll linger on. I didn't know the word linger. So I was like, this part is will lingero. And I got into <laughs> a legitimate heated debate with my God sister that the word was willingero instead of we will linger on and it was Lingero. what did you think willingero meant <laughs> look there are certain things that grown-ups understand that children do not and i thought willingero was one of them and i was like i will learn one day what willingero is but that's clearly what she's saying because there's no other possible <laughs> English word that she could be saying right there. 
besides oh. Willing Girl. <laughs> every I and I think of it every time I hear the song too, and I just sing Willing Girl because it's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's just fun to be loud and wrong. Like there's this trend on TikTok where people are they call it a uh, white girl freedom dancing, where you just kind of throw your <laughs> arms up like to no beat on purpose and it feel have you it feels good i Does actually like, was doing that like a week ago feels- i i bravely went out with my one little covid shot yeah i'm halfway there yep. and they were playing some like music i didn't know what it was and i wasn't really enjoying it and so i was like you know what i'm just gonna start punching in the air in random directions and just moving at random times and i just i was having a little tybo session Maybe I'm showing my age with that. That's cool. I don't care. I'm a millennial. I'm proud. Whatever. <laughs> I'm doing it. But I did my little punch in the air dance. Maybe it was close to the the thing that you. It probably felt so it. good. It did. It did. <laughs> Feels so free. So always be my baby. It's a favorite for you because it's been your favorite for a really really long time. Um, what is yeah. like? it's a favorite because it's been a favorite for a long time and have you is this one that you would do at a karaoke song is it one that you want to hear alone in the car like when do you want to hear this i'm like i really don't ever want to hear karaoke of this song probably i don't know i think i'm a purist when um, this is one of those songs where i'm like if it ain't the original it's not right probably (laughs) i probably i wouldn't even touch it i'm like this is sacred i'll 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 sing it in my the privacy of my car um (laughs) But, uh, no, it's one of the first songs that I remember, like, learning the lyrics that I thought were lyrics, too. Um, so it's, it's, like, super special for me in that reason. What was your question? Do I sing it at karaoke? I, no. When do you most want to hear it? And I think you answered by saying in the car. Like, when you can just kind of... Yeah. Well, I want to hear it all the time. Like, I want it to play everywhere. I think every store should have this on their playlist. <laughs> I think everyone should have it. never gets old. I can listen to this every day for the rest of my life. I think I'll be fine. Yeah, I love this song. I think it should always be played. I'm a big Mariah Carey stan, and I think this has to be, like, top two maybe not number two, as far as Mariah Carey songs go. And I think it's because she manages to pack a ton of notes and lyrics into a song. I feel like a lot of people sacrifice one or the other. So there's a ton of runs, lots of, lots of, lots of up and downs. Look what my voice can do. But then like, there's maybe 10 words. Like the substance isn't really there. Yes. And I feel like it really packed in both. Like that's one thing that impresses upon me about it. Are there any particular songwriters that like influence the way you write songs? Would Mariah be one? Or who are some songwriters who influence how you write songs? I guess, you know, I've never really paid too, too much attention. I'm always paying attention to more of like how the voice and the melody is making me feel. And I've never Mm. really thought too much about the writing. There are certain writers that I think are really good. Like, I think her is a really good writer. Um... Mm. Mariah Carey obviously is a really good writer, writing all these songs. I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But yeah, I I pay attention to the lyrics, but I, I feel like I end up paying more attention to how it's delivered um, and like how something super simple can be delivered in a really impactful way simply because the melody or the note structure or whatever or the intensity of how it was sung. Um, like... 
emotes it in a particular way. So I, I think that's kind of where my mind usually goes. But now I kind of want to look more into the actual writers. Oh, Esther Dean is another one. I like. I'm like, how do people write hit after hit after hit after hit? She's written so many um, incredible songs that I can't think of right now. But I know she wrote a lot of stuff that was on the radio for a while. You're right. I mean, we have her to thank for Super Bass, and that that alone, you know what I mean. Like all you have to say is super bass. Like who does? You know yeah, that was that was a pretty phenomenally done song, just all around. I was like, wow. Yeah, it was really good. It was an era too, like a song and an era at the same time. That's amazing. Super bass era. I will. Yes, I will accept that. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. I am gonna probably name this episode Willingaro, and it'll just be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I've decided. Oh, so happy. And if by somehow, some way, Urban Dictionary like adds it, like <laughs> a word created by R and B singer songwriter Maylot, first coined on the Rhythm and Bay podcast, <laughs> a reference to a childhood oh, misunderstanding. Willingerug. So awesome. <laughs> I remember that like argument. It was so heated, and she was like, she just eventually was like, whatever. And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> I'm right. And I was like, what is wrong with me? That's the Taurus in me, obviously. When you found out you were wrong, did you apologize? Or did you just say, whatever? Girl, no, I didn't find out I was wrong until recently. No, I have not told her. <laughs> like, I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't, I just like did not know what the lyrics were right there. I would just keep saying Willingaro. At a certain point, I knew Willingaro was not the word, but like, I didn't know what it was. I want to say it might have been, yeah, I feel like it was within the past couple of years that I figured out what she actually said. I just, I didn't really care. I would just like keep singing. I was so enthralled by the song. I, I didn't care. <laughs> I have not told her. I should probably tell her. That's, That's funny. so funny. You said a Taurus. Are you a Taurus sun or moon? Girl, I don't know. I gotta read my my little. Hold up, let me pull up my app. It can tell me. I think it's my son, the main one. But yeah, I know it's your I birthday. got two Tauruses. Oh, I got yeah, two yeah, Tauruses yeah. in my sign. Yeah, Tauruses are hard headed. Tauruses are, are a little hard headed. My dad is a Taurus, and he has to get hip surgery this week. And he called me, and he said, "You know those people won't let me wear my gold chain." Like they said, no gold chains, <laughs> no rings. What what kind what kind of mess is that? You know, I can't be oh myself. Oh my god, I, I love it. I was like, Daddy, <laughs> I think you'll be okay without your gold chain for one. That day. is so funny. Hard headed. Okay. That's that's right. what we do. That's how we do. <laughs> always got a stunt. Okay. Look, I can't help it. I <laughs> All right, track number three on the playlist of your life. Track number three. Uh, I actually don't know which one of these was first, but we're, we're just gonna go with, I think it was, yeah. I think it was Brown Eyes by Destiny's Child. Ooh. So I heard this song and I was like, oh my God. I found my wedding song. But then after that, I started looking at the eyes of every dude I had a crush on and had to make sure <laughs> that it would fit 
my song because otherwise it would be really awkward at my wedding. And I did end up dating a dude with, with blonde eyes. Not blonde eyes, blue blue eyes, not blonde eyes. Yeah, blonde hair. <laughs> but but so I was like, oh, this clearly will not be the one, but it is what it is for now. It's not the one for sure. Oh my gosh, what a... So this is off the Survivor album, which comes out in like the early, I want to say 2002, which is just like such... Like you and I are about the same age. That's like, I want to say mm-hmm. you're like maybe 13 or 14 when you have this like epitome. Yeah. Uh, like... yeah. <laughs> it was an epiphany for sure. I was like, oh my God. And I would do this thing where like I would get a new CD and I would... I still kind of do it. Like, if I really like a song, I'd listen to that song over and over again until I learn all the words. Or suppose that I learn all the words. Um, But (laughs) I had a booklet this time. So this song, I remember just sitting there and listening to it on repeat. I was like, oh my god, it was so beautiful. I need to know all the lyrics to this song. And I do. I I still know it. It's such a it is a beautiful song. It's like, there's a lot going on with it. And this is one of those things, too. People don't give Beyonce enough credit for being a songwriter. Ooh, She's no. listed first here. They they never do. And she was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame with Say My Name, which is like two or three years before this comes out. But, then, you know, nowadays they're like, oh, she doesn't write her songs. Like, she doesn't have to right now because she works collaboratively with other individuals. Yeah. Oh, now that you said songwriters, now I'm starting to remember it. Like Beyonce's really great. Obviously, she has a very particular style, which is a little it's a little awkward sometimes because she'd be shoving some words in there. Um but <laughs> Give me an example, please. <laughs> I mean, just I it's like most of her songs, so I can't think of it, but sometimes it's just like she's just talking. Like she'll just say I can't think of anything. I'm like awful at thinking words thinking lyrics but like she she will just put a whole ton of of like i don't know it's just like her thoughts like they just kind of fall out and they're in the song now um Mm -hmm. but her and then neo's also another really good songwriter oh yeah and i know he he's written with her that is so fun that's a fun way to describe that is shoving a lot she does put a lot of words i guess it's because it's kind of like the um maybe it's that houston influence or that hip-hop influence of like um of of getting a lot of words into a short amount of time which kind of leads her to almost like a a talk singy thing Mm -hmm. which um which i like a lot but yeah this is a great song it's one of those ones that i kind of just like forgot about because it wasn't a single from them but Mm -hmm. it's 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 a really sweet song oh so i have forgotten about this album yeah you know what is the wor- the worst song off of this album though? Like just not to go. Ooh, negative, which one do you think is the worst song? Because I got <laughs> I got my <laughs> I got my list of worst songs from that album too. Mine is nasty. I hate it with everything in my heart. I hate it. Nasty, and then I had a love hate relationship with um, Happy Face. Oh my gosh! I think I remember Happy Face. Happy Face was stupid. Uh, it was weird. <laughs> I had a love hate relationship with that song. It come on, I'd like just start doing my my little punching dance, my little weird dance, and then I was like, God, this song is <laughs> why. <I still laughs> but nasty's pretty bad. Sunshine was shining. Happy face. Oh my god. Yeah, this is one of those albums that it felt like it came out really fast because they needed to like 
like have something right after writings after writings on the wall because you know there was you know the the jokes about how who's going to be the next one off of destiny's child island and that became like survivor and then you had bootylicious but it it wasn't all gold you know what i mean there's no, some not it was not yeah. no no but that one emotions is really good um, yeah. I love the prayer song at the end. I forgot what that was called. That was I really know what you're talking good. About. But um, yeah, this was just I a quintessential album for young. Oh, black and the girls independent women album. song oh. was on there, part one and two. Mm. Mm. Oh my god, how did I forget independent women? Like an imp super important song for. I mean, just. Like for our formative years of young black girl millennials, you know what I mean? That's just like a big part of like when um did you and your friends, did y'all ever like play Destiny's Child? Who would you be? Were you the Beyonce of the friend group or who would you be? I grew up in a very white area. So like Aww. I was like one of the only people that I knew who was actually listening to Destiny's Child in that way, where like to the point of having the C D, but in in um, choir, we actually had to do this project where you have to pick a popular song and pick a group, and then you have to sing it. Mm -hmm. And of course, our group chose independent women. And we had practices to like sing it. And I, I was I was definitely Beyonce. But it was it was a train wreck of a performance. I will never forget it. And one of my friends, one of the girls who I'm still friends with till this day does not let me forget how much of a train wreck it was. It was so bad. I think we got like a C or a D. Like we did really bad. It was a, it was awful. Why would a really teacher bad. give you that glow of a mark though? Like what? It was awful. It was awful. It was before you could easily find karaoke music. And so we got docked because we, had <laughs> we recorded the song super low so that we were like oh look we like kind of muffled it so you can't really hear the main vocals like from the actual song and then like we also played it really low over the speakers when we had to perform it and then one of the girls was i mean it's like a middle school choir right so like not everybody's really meant to be a singer so some of the girls weren't singing and then like people went on the like wrong parts and then like I would try to like jump in and save ship but it didn't quite work out the the ship was not saved we definitely sunk far very you know far what I love down about that is I was curious about asking you if you ever considered going like the group or girl group route like if you ever thought about like before <laughs> and to know no. that like middle school choir when they tried to saddle you down with these mediocre not these non-talented no <laughs> girl no and said never again <laughs> girl no it was the worst there was nothing worse like i mean god bless those choir teachers because i don't know how they do it i can't believe but they gave you that low of a grade <laughs> it was bad no it was a train wreck like we didn't follow the directions like we did not have the type of track accompanying us that we needed to um we crashed and burned people didn't know their parts and then like there's me trying to like save parts when people forget words 
and it was just so bad it was so bad no group i i realized then that group singing was a way for me to continue singing however it is not my path whatsoever mm -hmm. like i also wasn't like able to explore like my like the register that i sing in like so i was a soprano so i was always like me 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 all the time and i like kind of hated it and i wanted to sing more like out but i never had the like chance to inquire so it was fun but it wasn't yeah for me. The, the money i would pay to see a bunch of struggling 13 year olds try to sing <laughs> that that, oh, that like that the <laughs> harmony part oh man i don't think it exists anywhere i really hope it doesn't i hope I your do. friend who still makes fun of you secretly recorded it i hope she has it oh, on God. the grandest razor phone please Somewhere. no i think I think our, our choir teacher honestly might her her my choir teacher's daughter actually ended up being the sound engineer for my performance for ACL last year, which was totally random and super bizarre, but I'm sure she has like all the like terrifyingly terrible things that we that we recorded back in the day. But anyway. That is a fantastic girl group story He's right there. And you know your middle school choir story uh, just makes me think. I went to um, I went to high school with a really famous country singer. Her name's Mary Morris, and we were in junior high and high school together. And it's really funny because, like you said, in these choirs, they just put everyone. Like you just you have to be in choir whether you can sing or not. And I remember there was this one. There was only two alto singers, and so I always had to sit next to her because I like couldn't find my part, so I could like listen. Oh, no. <laughs> You so are her. You were that girl. I hope there's no universe where she's like, there was this one off-key girl. I mean, the only black girl in the choir couldn't find a note. Like, I'm sure she wouldn't say that. Oh but my so gosh, no, no, that's like, just hilarious. Had to, just had to lean into me. Still couldn't find the note. You know, that would be so, I just, those people really did exist, though. That is not. That is not unique. That is definitely a type of choir students, for sure. There's got to be a Michelle, you know what I mean? Like, no offense to Michelle <laughs> But there's got to be a weakest link. Like, Michelle Williams can sing, but when you put her next to Beyonce and Kelly, you're like, what you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen those TikToks where, like, I think they're TikToks where they're like, it's like Kel no it's like the the destiny's child battles so like it's like michelle is singing and then like the the beyonce comes in and tries to like outdo her and then the kelly's just like sitting there laughing and it's hilarious <laughs> i need to find it and send it to you it's hilarious the, the internet is undefeated. People have noticed all of this, like, tension that none of us knew about back then. But just, like, the the uh, the, the actual, like, vocal showdowns that would happen between them right in front of our eyes. And none of us, like, we didn't catch it when we were younger. But it was just, like, Beyonce was kind of singing everyone into submission. Like, get in your range. Like, Yo, I, I I love it. I shoot. I like that's a that's like I don't know when when people watch like old school like football game not old school but like football players watching old football games and boxing match boxers watching boxing matches and like I watch that 
shit. Can I say shit? I don't know. If I yes, ill girl. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I watch that shit. I love it. I'm like, oh dang, look at Beyonce coming out swinging. I saw her at another like. <laughs> It wasn't even with the rest of the girls. It was she was with like a couple of other artists, and I saw her just kind of be like, "Oh, you got your guitar? Well, I got my voice. Let me show you what it does." And just like she comes for these people, and I, I, guess, I don't know. I kind of appreciate it. It's fun to watch. <laughs> we love a verbal sparring match. We really do. Keeping it moving. It. Uh, next to just some great champions of music, we've got Destiny's Child, we've got Ella Fitzgerald, we've got Mariah Carey. I'm loving it. All of this wonderful Black Girl magic on this playlist. Give me your fourth song. So uh, my fourth song is a song by an Ethiopian artist, and his okay. name is Teddy Afro. And the song is called Nigereng Kalch, which translates to if you say for me to tell you, and he's speaking to a woman, because the language is masculine and feminine. So you can tell by the, the title that he's speaking to a woman. And the whole song is about how he knows that his girl is up to no good and she she she's not really like fully into it, but he's like not ready to accept this. And so he's just like telling her, I'm not ready to accept the truth of what this situation is because I love you. And it's just super sad and sweet. But the music video is kind of hilarious. Um, he's just like sitting in this like white studio. There's like a random couch and like a saxophone player and a stool. And he's wearing these glasses sometimes. And he's like lying on the couch, like just thinking about his life and whatnot it's hilarious but anyway but the song is really beautiful and um i've always really liked it too since i first heard it very cool so the last time we recorded this you actually like got me on this artist for the first time and i really enjoyed like listening to this song um this is this is a it this is sorry i'm looking it up so i can like get like the spelling of it, right? If you say for me to tell you, I I need to check out the video though. So as far as like Teddy Afro goes, is he's one of your, would you say he's one of your favorite Ethiopian artists or like one that yeah, you recently- Yeah, sure. mm -hmm. No, he's, he's been around for a minute. My, no, he's not the, the I would call, maybe he's like, nah, he's bigger than The Weeknd because he's older, he's been around longer. But he's he's pretty big in in the in the Ethiopian music world. Um, if not, I think he's probably like the biggest artist right now. He's just mm -hmm. super well known. Pretty much doesn't miss when it comes to his albums. Um, he's he's pretty spot on. He's you know politically vocal and like a very um, he's a pretty good role model, I would say, um, as well. But he's he's a prominent figure in in Ethiopian music, entertainment, and he's, he's pretty good. Super popular. Awesome. That is very, very cool. When did you first get introduced to this particular song? Like, what is it? Does it, uh, do you connect with it in the sense of like really liking that particular song or does it like remind you of an experience you've been through? It doesn't really remind me of an experience per se. Um, I just, I, I had, I don't know, I, I think, I don't, like, I can't even really remember what time period it was that I first discovered this song. 
um because I, I was trying to remember as i was trying to do things uh chronologically backwards um mm -hmm. but it's just one of those songs where i heard it and i just have this like love of songs that are somewhat melancholy but always about love and have like a, just like i don't know just something to them that like feels very vulnerable which i think is probably it's a it's a running theme <laughs> on this on this playlist and i guess through our conversation but there it's a very vulnerable um position to be in to be like i know the truth of what's going on but i still love you and i don't want to accept it i know i'm not ready to accept it so i'm not gonna sit here and talk to you about what i already know is you know going on um so i think i just really i resonated with that vulnerability of the song and and there i feel like there weren't too many ethiopian songs at the time that really um kind of fed into my personal r&b vibe my little you know world of, of music that i like to listen to and this i think this is one of the first songs that really kind of fell into the groove even though it's in a different language even though it still has elements of ethiopian music it still kind of flows with the vibe of of the type of music that i i i love to listen to very cool i um i'm looking one thing i like reading about is different artists from who are creating art that sometimes causes a stir. And when you look up Teddy Afro, one of the first things you find about him, like the first uh, found that I, one that I found was from Arab News. It says, Ethiopian pop star Teddy Afro delights fans, irks authorities. And he's gotten into some situations with like political trouble where they've tried to ban his music. But it just seems like it's an overall theme of just like love. And that seems so strange that there's like problems politically with um stuff that he's put out there but i guess it's just like if you're not saying exactly what the authorities or people in oh oh here we go when a rumor spread early in his career that he committed the taboo deed of autographing the breast of a female fan teddy battled down the allegations by saying that as an ethiopian he could never do such a thing a remark that won him admirers across the country oh wow that's such a random, did you, do you ever hear that story or no? Girl, no, that is bizarre. That's hilarious, but. I was like, what did you no. get in trouble for? He just sounds like well, a nice. Well, it's very, it's, it's a very, um, like Ethiopian music doesn't have cursing. <laughs> None whatsoever. You rarely hear Ethiopian curse words in like, if you do, it's like someone who's a little more like, I don't know but it's just like you never hear it um you don't hear it in music you don't hear it in people talking um it's still very traditional mm -hmm. um like i the whole family can listen to the song you know like they write love songs but they're just very you know like like misty is a love song that everybody can listen to it's a it's a very like i don't know wholesome love yes. songs i guess really um mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of that. There are some people who are more and more trying to push those boundaries as, I mean, that's time, that's progress that happens everywhere, but there are some people who are trying to push those boundaries, but for the most part, it's still very traditional. Um, there's a lot of like tribal stuff um, that 
that keeps people separated people will always find ways to separate themselves it seems no matter how much everybody seems to want unity people will still constantly find ways to divide themselves and other others um so there's a lot of that that has happened um in the country that has you know i mean it rifted families it rifted political parties it's rifted a lot of things and so as um, but a lot of people, as the world becomes more, what's it called, like globalized, is that what it's called? When everyone starts really coming together through social media and the internet and stuff, um, mm -hmm. people are, more and more people are advocates of unity and not finding more and more ways to divide themselves, but finding more and more ways to unite each other. And he's very much a person who, who moves forward and tries to unite themselves, uh, unite people. Um, because like one of his albums is called De Corso, which means black person. Um, and that, that in itself was like a big step because there's, you know, there are some Ethiopians who are like, oh, I'm not black. And I'm like, mm, that's what you think, but that's not true. And there's a, <laughs> a lot of people like Teddy Afro who's like, no, that's, that's what we are. We are also Ethiopian. Um, but like, you know, identity is a, it's a big thing um tribally and racially and all that stuff so he's he's very much an advocate for unity and understanding and some people don't like that that can be such a bold thing to just vocally embrace your uh your identity in that sense like i feel that way about james brown brown who you know Led a, led a very conflicted life, did some not great things, did some great things. But I mean, popularizing the expression, I'm black and I'm proud is like, in America, that's something I can relate to in the same aspect of like, just standing in something that used to be taboo and oh, I'm not, I'm not black, I'm colored or, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 118th Chippewa, my daddy's not, you know what I mean? Like wanting to distance <laughs> yeah. yourself from, from yeah. As opposed to standing in it and standing in 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 that is a, a beautiful thing and i think that's awesome so it's interesting to see how people can make art that seems so seems like the message is so clear love acceptance and kindness and then it can still get twisted and perverse if maybe they're not using their platform in the way that everyone else wants them to so it's 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 interesting interesting to see and reading up on teddy afro and like the life he's led and like how he's such so huge in Ethiopia and like Americans, we have such an insular way of looking at music where if it's not big here, is it big? You know, there are people like, yeah. you know, I just figured out K-pop when I had some time to sit down. I was like, oh, okay, they doing it. You know, <laughs> huge, huge. I was missing an entire massive. movement. <laughs> massive, freaking massive. massive, it's insane. And I really only know one group. I really only know BTS because they have all of the like, they have the the quintessential boy band haircut and it's just it, it triggers something in my little millennial soul so oh my I'm god not... i love watching them perform when their song comes on that little song i start doing a little dance with them is it weird that on some level oh dynamite that's what it's called yes <laughs> although um does it sometimes feel like there's too many of them like seven's a lot. Oh, I don't crazy. know how many there are. I, sometimes I think it's 12. Sometimes I think it's five. I can't tell. It's seven. It feels like too lot. many. It is a whole, whole lot. Okay. So we're coming to that time. We are on our fifth song of the hour. Yes. It is our number five song. Number five. Of course, mm -hmm. I had to put myself on this list. 
Um, and it is my song called Neng, which is the only song that I have that's fully in Amharic, which is the language of Ethiopia. Um, and it means I am. And that song I wrote, um, I wrote a cappella. I was like in front of a microphone and I was like, okay, I know I'm going to make a song. I know it's going to be a cappella. No clue what it's going to be. And when I opened my mouth, like Ethiopian words, Amharic words came out of my mouth and I was like, okay, cool. I guess that's where we're going with this. And, um, as I kept trying to just like freestyle it into existence, I realized I was feeling like it felt like my grandmothers who have both passed from both sides of my family, paternal and maternal, um, were speaking to me and Neither of them called me by my real name. Neither of them called me Melat. One called me Adisalam, which means to love. And the other one called me Modad, which means, no, that was wrong. Adisalam means new world and Modad means to love. And um, it felt like I was being told that my purpose was to lead in a new world with love. And it was super emotional. I was literally bawling. I was in tears. I was like, what the heck is, I just wanted to write an acapella song. I wasn't trying to do all this. Um, but it really did feel like a message. And it took me like three weeks of just like constantly going back in, trying to record and not, but I would just be bawling each time. Um, so it was, it was really difficult to get that down. But once I did, I felt very, um, I guess confident and, and good in knowing that my purpose was to lead with love in whatever it is that I do and however I do it. Um, and, and it was interesting learning that because love is such a cliche word. Sometimes it can be used and it's like, Oh, I believe in love. Oh, I, I just talk about, I speak on love. I, I do this through love and it sounds so cliche, but for me, it felt like I had finally, I have a purpose behind it. So even though it may be a word that we overuse and sometimes misuse, it actually has a meaning when it comes to what I'm trying to do and what I'm here for. So it, it kind of reframed everything that I do. And since then, I've been kind of like moving forward and refining what that means what does it really mean to lead in a new world with love is it just being nice to everybody is it just writing love songs is it so it just kind of it seems to evolve each year as i grow it grows with me and it takes on a deeper meaning um so it was a a, a life changing moment um and life changing song for sure wow I, so many things you just said resonated with me as being so big in a really exciting and almost scary way. Like one, uh, getting in the booth and deciding to do an acapella song to me is courageous. Like a, a good beat can hide some, can hide a lot. You can, yeah. you can slide it. You can get away with anything with the right beat. So like yeah. to, to strip that away and really put just the emphasis on what was going to come out of your mouth is huge. What made you decide to do an acapella song? I love me a harmony, a good harmony. Just like I love to build harmonies. I'll, I'll get lost just doing that for hours. Um, and so I knew I wanted to do something that kind of highlighted that. 
Um, a lot of people listen to the song and they think I have like a vocoder, which is the machine that'll make your voice sound like it's all stacked with like a, a bunch of different harmonies or whatever, like machiney kind of sounding. Um, but it's it's actually my voice with some filters on it. But each each melody was sang by me. Um, so I love to I love to make harmonies if you ever stripped out any of the, the backing tracks of my songs you'll hear how intense I get I just like fill it up um with with harmonies and vocals and stuff all over the place so I love doing that so I kind of wanted to do something that showcased that and I wanted to be as raw and real as possible and of course it went like off the deep end of <laughs> raw and real I love that. That's so beautiful. That's amazing. I feel like you you write songs the way people get tattoos. Like it's a big piece of who you are in that moment and something you want to memorialize in a sense. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm going to use that and be like, oh, this one time I spoke with Jasmine Ellis and she said <laughs> my songs are written like tattoos and I fully agree with her. Yes, that's exactly I mean, how I'm gonna say it too. I love that. They make a yeah. they make a statement. They stink with they stick with you. They will linger, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 impact you and linger. <laughs> Look at it. They linger forever. <laughs> if you believe it's a word, it's a word. I like it's it. It's one hundred percent a word. Look at this will linger forever. The feelings will linger. <laughs> oh my god that's so true that's probably why i don't have any tattoos like no no ink on this skin because i just i put it in my music i guess that's really interesting i love I didn't it you didn't have any but i was like the way not you a single one the way you describe the way like it sounds like the way people who are really passionate about why they put something on their body talk about it you're like this is why i put it into the world permanently for it to be consumed or enjoyed or interpreted but this is what I was ready to put out and it is what it is. And it's like, it's a very permanent feeling, but also a very freeing feeling. I don't know. I really connect to what you say about how you put things out there. And I think that's just so dope. And I'm excited about what you have coming up next. So before we wrap everything up, what is next for you? Where can people hear you and see more of you? What's, what's going on next? Well, um, I have a few shows here in town, but I will be having some shows outside of Austin coming up this year. Um, but you can keep up to date with all of that. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, um, at Behold Melot, M-E-L-A-T. And um, my website is BeholdMelot.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Everything is Behold Maylot, so you can find me there. But um, I am finishing up a project right now, which um, brings together a lot of songs that I made over the past year, I guess more than a year now, um, like in quarantine. And um, it's, I think it's called After I Was All Alone. That's what it's been called for a little bit. We'll see if it changes by the time it comes out. But um, it's really, you know, I, I made a project called After All, uh, episode one, and I started doing shows and touring. And my last show was on like March 3rd or 4th or something of last year. And then everything went to shit and coronavirus thus 
followed the pandemic and all of that fun stuff. So I, I didn't really get to do as much with it as I wanted because I was intending to make After All episode two. Um, but then I was like, well, how about after I was all alone? Because <laughs> that's what happened. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just a collection of songs that kind of reflect some things that we were going through um, at the time. So I'm really excited for that project to come out. Um, but that's that's coming up very, very soon. I'm excited to hear that and to find out all of the great things that we can listen to on After I Was All Alone, which is just a genius name, by the way, like a great way to Thank just you. expand on an idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that so much. That's so funny that you said March 4th is my birthday. And I remember thinking, oh, really? March 4th, <laughs> yes, March 4th, 2020 was my best birthday gathering ever. It was like, you know how like you're, every time you plan something big, something goes a little wrong, right? Somebody doesn't show up. Somebody gets lost, something. Everybody showed up. Everyone was on time. We were drinking, laughing, having a good, I was like, this is the best birthday I've ever had. And then the world ended. You know what I mean? Like two, three days later. Girl, yes. Last year was like on this like up and up trajectory. I felt all the momentum going. I was like, okay, this is my year. I mean, we always say every year is our year, but like it was really our year. Like things were yeah. really happening. I like did my first little own tour. You had a bomb ass birthday. You were about to like do all these shows and make it happen. And then it's like, okay, hold up. Wait, what? Yes, it is so everybody I know who had been waiting on something, it was like it was coming and then it came to a halt. And it's, but you know what? I, I, I really think it's just so beautiful to come out of the other side of it. And just, yes. you know, the things that we've learned about ourselves. I mean, not to say that like, oh, COVID was so good for me. Cause like, no, no. Um, but no. there's some beautiful things that have come out of the other side of it. And I, I I'm grateful to still be standing, you know? Definitely. Yes, I am. I am super thankful to to be where I'm at and to have you know to to be healthy and to have been able to create and to not have you know some people went through some terrible stuff <laughs> over the past year um, mm -hmm. and I feel for them and so I I you know it was really difficult for a while because you're like how can I be you know enjoying my not enjoying myself but like working on my craft or trying to figure out what I'm going to do next when people are literally losing family members and, you know, just like houses and jobs and all these things. And so, um, I really, I, I decided that, you know, like I have to find my purpose through all of this and my purpose is to lead with love, which means I need to use, use my vehicle of music to, to provide some light in a dark time. And so that's, um, that was what I tried to do. And that's what I'm going to keep doing because I don't know what else to do in this crazy ass world we live in for anything can literally happen at any moment in time. So. I love that. I love that outlook and I love everything you've got going on. If you guys are having fun and loving the podcast, make sure you follow, of course, follow Maylot on all of her things. Behold Maylot. You can find her on, on her website, Instagram, all the good stuff. If you're enjoying Rhythm and Bay podcast, you know where to find me, Instagram.com at Rhythm and Bay podcast, uh, Facebook at Rhythm and Bay podcast, and on Twitter at Bay Rhythm. And yes, I made a mistake and cannot fix it. They won't let me <laughs> Keep trying, y'all. And Bay Rhythm and? Bay Rhythm and. I can't fix it. I don't know how to fix 
it. I've tried. I think if I get like a certain amount of followers, they let me. But so that's all the more reason to follow, please. And if that you're enjoying a the huge podcast, reason to follow. Yes. yes. Save, save the name. Save, save the name podcast. Um, you can find me, Jasmine Ellis Comedy, at all the things at Jasmine Ellis. That's J-A-S-M-I-N-E-E-L-L-I-S. And as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for spending some time with us. And keep it smooth. Mm-hmm.